Hi everyone and welcome today to Grid and Grace Talks with myself, Kate Taylor, and I have got an amazing guest live with me today in the office. I'm very excited. It's our first one that we've done like this um, and I'm excited to introduce you to Amy Smith, who is a social worker and also the founder of Kindred Consulting. So welcome, Amy. Thanks, Kate. So great to have you with us today. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming in. It's nice. great. We can have a chat on the couch. <laughs> so um, I would love to share with everyone around um, a little bit more about you and your business um, as someone that I believe shows grit and grace in her business and leadership. So can you tell me a bit, uh, my first question I ask people is, what do you do to set your day up for success? Like, is there like certain things that you've adopted since setting up your own business that you've kind of put in place that you feel gives you, sets you up for a winning day? Thanks for that question. So uh, full disclaimer, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so I'm not going to pretend that I get up at 5am and I write in my gratitude journal and do all of those things. It'd be nice if we had time. <laughs> um, I also have a toddler, yes. so, but he likes to sleep in too. So that's, I feel like I've like scored there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, but what I have started doing recently and starting, I've had my business for about a year and a half now and I really... I mostly run it from home and so I try to get up a bit earlier um, and make myself a coffee and then I sit out on the back, like we have a really nice balcony. Okay. And just spend five minutes in the sun if it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to, I guess, start the day a bit slower. Okay. I think that's the biggest thing that I've found having my own business. It's really hard to not think about work that's true um and it can easily become really like all-encompassing yes every day of the week um and so i've been trying to i guess like create moments in my day where i slow down okay. where i um just be present really so i'm trying to do that at the start of the day that's great yeah. and when you have that five minutes to yourself is there something that you do in that time like what is it like a, a journal or do you listen to like a, a song or like a meditation, like what are you doing that time? That that's like you time to start the day. I try not to do anything. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the whole like, just being present just in yourself. Being, just being. Okay. So, um, in a way, it's kind of like meditating because I will, I'll have my coffee. I'll. There's this really great exercise around just being like, what's if the mug feel like in my hands. Like okay. how the smell, the like the birds, like just being aware of my surroundings. Being really present so, yeah. of your surroundings. Yeah. So okay. not having music on, not having my phone. Okay. Um yeah, and it's it's I don't I'm not a guru and I don't spend an hour <laughs> in that. Do you do some breathing thing? in that time yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Try and do some um like diaphragmatic breathing and things yeah. like that. And just um yeah, connect with myself and and I find that it's really helped me to just start the day slower. Yeah. Not doing. I think mm. in our society, particularly as a business owner, yes, it's all about doing. It's all about what's next. It is. And, and I, you know, still have moments where it's like hard to, at the end of the day, like switch off. It is. And yeah. so I know that if I start to integrate those more like pockets of time, po pockets of pausing. Yeah, I like that. Pockets of pausing. <laughs> During the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. Um, and it's something that we can all do wherever we are, whether we're traveling for work, whether at home or wherever it is yeah. that we are, we can create those little pockets of time in our day just to be present and kind of, you know, just listen to our bodies and listen to what our heart and head is telling us, right? Like yeah. rather than just action, action, action. And that's where the grace comes in, you know, yeah. that grace and leadership being grace, not just to your staff or your teams, but to yourself as a leader. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we we are great role models as parents and as leaders to the people that look up to us. And so I think it's so important to develop those good self-care habits to showcase to others around you that you're not just saying do these things, but you're doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, kind of leading by example, as they say. With kids, they say, you know, like they, it's what it's not what we say, it's what we do that they notice. Yeah. And so I think it's the same in, in leadership and life that we need to, remember that <laughs> and I find particularly because of what my business is yeah uh and I definitely don't do it perfectly but if yeah. I am not practicing this like my business is about mental health and well-being yes and self-care for staff yeah um so I want to like my business I want to run it with that in the forefront yeah and I'll like honestly I don't do it sometimes yes because i'm human yes and it's really easy in those moments to be like really critical of myself and like oh, i can't even do this myself how can i expect yeah that's to, like, true and i'm like we can be our worst critic yeah <laughs> where's yeah. the self-compassion there where's yeah. the kind self-kindness yes. and things so uh it's been a real journey my own personal journey and growth yeah um in developing the tools and resources that i do for businesses um yeah to actually start to integrate that more into my own life i can imagine as you're like creating this content for your clients and your customers is that you start to go oh yes i need to be better with it it kind of shines a light on yourself probably yeah. as well going oh that's something i can work on yeah 100 um, so that's always good <laughs> it's a bit of self-reflection yeah a bit of self-reflection <laughs> and obviously you've gone on quite a journey um i've actually known amy personally since she was a social work student about yeah 12 13 years ago, ago, right? We were both at a women's um, shine movement training and I, we both worked out that I was, you know, not really, I was just starting Taylor Care, I think at the time and I met you. Yeah. Um, It was like our first year of business and now we're 10 years in and Amy was just starting out in her career in social work. So it was really exciting that we specialize in recruiting social workers Mm -hmm. and you're a social worker. So we kind of connected over that and um, have kind of followed each other over the years and supported each other through the highs and lows and different things we've been doing in personal and business and, and your career. And so, it's been amazing to watch what you've done and what you've created. And I'd love to, I guess, share with everyone your career path. If you can give kind of a summary of, um, you know, where you started out when we met to where you are now. Um, Tell everyone your journey of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So as Kate said, I am a social worker. I, um, yeah, about 10 years ago, I think it was, I graduated and I was working as a caseworker um, with, refugees and people seeking asylum for an amazing organization that I still really love and I learned so much about leadership um, from my managers there and then um, from there I did a bit of community development funding advocacy and then I moved into suicide prevention and mental health um, for a national organization and worked in regional and remote communities um, all across the lands yeah and I that really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. I had the honour of working in um, 
with First Nations communities and peoples and, um, yeah, I guess I got to see some of the things that aren't so good um, about Australia um, and also see that there's a lot of healing and there's a lot of things in particularly the mental health space that okay. if we listen to the First Nations peoples um, a lot, a lot of the issues that we see today wouldn't exist or they would be definitely wow. not as bad. So wow. that kind of took me on a journey professionally as well of like, well, am I actually being part of the solutions by working in these spaces and seeing the disconnect? Mm. The reason I started Kindred was I saw as people working with communities, um, you know, we're expected to provide a level of care. Um, for me, the trauma-informed care is the one that I really, I believe it's has a lot of weight and it carries like the evidence yeah. around it. It's really beneficial for everyone. Um, so we would be, you know, expected to do that, but then the organisations and how the structures and the systems are not trauma-informed. Yeah. And so it's really hard to actually be trauma-informed and give that care to someone when you're not provided with that support yourself. Yeah, I think that's something as a recruiter over the years, working with a range of not-for-profits, um, disability providers, even government, um, I get to hear a lot of stories <laughs> of people and their careers and what and what they're unhappy about in their jobs or if they're not coping or if something's happened. And, I, you know, people come to me for a new job when they're not enjoying what they're doing, right? So yeah. I often hear, like, these kind of feedback that, you know, they're not getting that trauma-informed, like, support and follow-up and care that they need that they're expected to give to their clients. And so yeah. I can see why working in it you would see it even more. Like, I'm on the outside hearing it. So I can imagine it would be very eye-opening, um, especially in that suicide prevention space when you're exposed to seeing and hearing a lot, you know. Yeah. And then you're like, how do I give that? how do I make sure my team and I are all getting the same support in return for what we're hearing and seeing and doing? Yeah. Um, so that kind of filling your own cup up so you can help others. Yeah. That's kind of missing maybe sometimes. Yeah. And I think from like the rates of um, PTSD, vicarious trauma, compassion fatigue, it's like 50% more than the general population for those who wow. work in those like mental health and social workers and Makes psychologists sense. and things. So. I'm not just working in that space now, yeah. but I think because I've come from that space and I know mm -hmm. what it's like um, to You've work in, in that. It. Yeah. Um, I am, yeah, I am work. I'm still working with and supporting people in those um, industries and also organisations yeah. to like how can you better support your teams yeah. to do this really important work. Yeah. Um, and I'm really passionate about it and I remember my first um, manager when I was a very green social worker. Um, I think it was day three. We always remember, <laughs> we always remember those first managers. No, he, he was very, it was actually my placement. Okay. And I was, I was, it was day three um, and okay. this was, I got a job there working with refugees and I was in his office and I was bawling my eyes out because I he heard just these really devastating stories of trauma and mm -hmm. um, like nothing beyond it you anyone should ever experience. And then also on top of that, the trauma of the system that we have in Australia and re-traumatising okay. people. And he said to me, um, 
like he was really empathetic and really kind. Yeah. And he gave me a book called Help for the Helper and oh. by Babette Rothschild and it's all about compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma. Oh, wow. And so that was my first, I guess, taste of, okay, if I want to do this for the long haul, yeah, I need to really um, make sure I'm resourced and supported. Yes. For me, with my emotions and my well-being, otherwise I'm going to burn out. Yeah. And I felt really lucky that on my first placement. That you got told that. Yeah, yeah. because a lot of people go through decades or years of their um, journey as a social worker or in these spaces yeah. and it's just like you just have to toughen up. Okay. And it's actually not about toughening up because if when you toughen up, that's, when you that's lose a your symptom. Heart. Yeah, that's yeah. a symptom. Like compassion fatigue isn't that you stop caring, it's that you stop having compassion, a capacity to care. Okay. Because you haven't been supported and things. So I don't want to lose that. Empathy. No. I don't want to lose that compassion. That heart for people, yeah. Um, and because it's really hard to get back once you lose it. That's true. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's about knowing where, like, looking for resources in your world around you. You know, I've interviewed some great social workers, grad social workers in the last yeah. year, and something that I've heard them actually ask at the interview when I've been on the panel is, what kind of care do you have for mental health and well-being in the workplace? Yeah. And I was really proud to hear yeah. that because I was like, finally, it actually put the panel on, like, on the back foot a little bit. They're yeah. like, oh, we really haven't had that question before. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, it's really great that, um, you know, the world has evolved probably in the last 10 years since you studied to actually encourage and equip social workers a little bit more before they come out in the field. And maybe it's through placements and they've met someone like you said, or maybe mm. – I don't know if they're doing any course, like anything in their course now on it. Yeah. Um, it'd be good to find out. But it definitely um, was a question that I think um, people have been in the field a long time sometimes forget um, that, you know, when new grads come out in the field, they're like they're like a sponge. They want to learn. They want to grow. But we also have to equip them to succeed and to not burn out, like you said, and to be able to go that distance in their career um, so that they can still have that, you know, grace and grit in their in their work. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a lot of the, particularly in, like, different sectors, like I would say, like, child protection is, like, a big one. Yes. Um, there's a lot of, like, PTSD um, and burnout. Mm. Um, and you see the repercussions of that with, the like, what's happening um, with the care that these kids are getting. True. And it's not – I'm – I'm really mindful that it's actually if those workers were in a work environment that was supportive, that they were resourced, That's they true. were equipped, then you're going to prevent that from happening and they're going to be able to give the care that those kids deserve. Wow. Um, so I'm really, I just developed a workshop on trauma-informed self-care and I'm really mindful self-care isn't, another thing we have to do it's not another burden okay that we're not doing right particularly as women yes it's like oh another the reason thing. i'm burnt out is because i'm not self-caring it's my fault there's actually so many systems and so many things that play into how well we can care for ourselves okay and so it's about advocating for that and yep. so in our workplaces it's like well you can't just say to staff or oh, you need to take care of yourself that's why you burn out it's actually well what am I doing? Yeah. What, what is our organisation got in place? What frameworks and things? Yeah. So that staff can do that. Yeah, exactly. No, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think um, it's. I think COVID's probably accelerated these conversations more and meant that we've had to 
we've had to do. Did we have a glitch? Did we have a glitch? It's definitely uh, on cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, it's something that workplaces, I think, that aren't even in the sector are doing more and more since COVID. I've seen corporates um, step up in this space. I've seen a lot of different wellbeing programs in a lot of different businesses now that they've developed or put in place to help their staff. And I hope that it continues. Like, I hope it doesn't just disappear now that COVID's kind of stopped. Well, it hasn't stopped, but you know what I mean? Workplaces are getting back to normality again. I hope that they actually rethink that they're of what they're doing and how to support their team immigrating them back into the workplace rather than working all remote, things like that. Like, what's their strategy around that? Because I can see it's been done well and not so well in businesses mm. that I hear around getting people back in the workplace after being out of work from home for so many years. Like, what yeah. does that look like and how do we do that in a, you know, looking after their well-being and mental health as well? Um, I think, you know, people have adjusted their lives to cope with the pandemic and now we have to kind of find some middle ground here. Yeah. And so it's been quite interesting to see and hear different businesses um, and how they're doing that well or not so well. Is that something you've seen a lot of in the last year? Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on this is the first time it's been reported since basically World War Two, where we've had a collective trauma globally. That's true. Um, and particularly nationally, we've had we had droughts, we had bushfires, yep. we had pandemic. Um, now we've got like inflation. Um, yep. And topped on that, you've got your systemic things around racism, ableism, sexism. Like there's a lot that as yeah. a society we've been um, exposed to, to different levels. Yes. That impacts on how we show up in the workplace. Wow. And yeah, true. Even like there's a lot now around like trauma informed change management because change oh. management, if you want to do a big change in your organization, the traditional, you can't look at it how you used to five years ago because your workforce is traumatized. And so wow. True. It, it adds a layer to how, you know, you've had, we've had so much uncertainty, so much unrest true. for years. That impacts on our nervous system, that impacts on our fight like trauma responses yeah. and so you've got a heightened trauma like a workplace that's trauma exposed to trauma so how you support them how you go through change and all of those things needs to change yeah and needs to consider those things and most people don't know how to do that they're not aware of it no um they see yeah. the problem but they don't know how to fix it necessarily and i think that's where um, services like yours have come in and actually at a right time in the market to be able to actually yeah. help companies with this. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about Kindred Consulting and the work you're doing at the moment with different companies um, and the services that you offer? Yeah, so I do, I guess there's like three things I do. So I provide support to organisations who want to create mentally healthy workplaces. Okay. And I use a trauma-informed approach in doing that because I think, like I just said before, um, We've all experienced trauma to some degree over the, particularly over the last few years. Yeah. But trauma informed care doesn't just benefit people who've experienced trauma, it okay. actually benefits everyone. Okay. And so, why wouldn't you integrate those kind of practices into your workplace? So, yeah, I do um, work with businesses around creating mentally healthy workplaces. And yep. the first thing we're doing that is asking the staff. How mentally healthy do they perceive the workplace to be? Okay. And then from there, 
um, I do like focus group sessions and work with the staff to kind of pull out some recommendations and ideas of what would they like to see okay. in the workplace. Yep. And even I've had the privilege of working with a few small businesses that are actually really great and have like a really great workplace culture. Um, but they've been willing and I, I really, I think a business being willing to go through this process shows really strong leadership because they're yep. like, we're happy to put a mirror up to ourselves and see where we can improve in this. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so I think those leaders, I really, they're already Ahead. doing well yeah. by engaging in something like Kindred. Yeah. And But I also love seeing the ideas that the staff, when you create an environment and create space yeah. for them to have ownership over, okay, we want a mentally healthy workplace. What can we do yes. to create that? And some of the ideas that come up, it's just, it might just be really small things, but it like those little shifts just like strengthen the morale, strengthen the workplace, strengthen engagement, participation, yep. um, and a better outcome for the business as well. So, yep. and yeah, so that's one of the things that I do. Yep. Um, and then I also do support around more like coaching supervision yep. around mental health and well-being using that trauma-informed lens. So yeah. That could be with social workers yep, and also with leaders. So I'm working with um, a mental health organisation at the moment, yep. um, supporting their leadership team through a big transition Okay, and looking at ways to like integrate. That change management type piece. Yeah, more like how do they support themselves okay. and holding space. Like I, I do sessions like trauma-informed wellbeing sessions with the team. Yep. So they can have a safe space. Though I don't like using that word because safe for me is different for you. True. So I don't assume that this is a safe space because I might feel safe, but there uh, might be something. And so I'm really, that's even one of the things we talk about. It's like I can't yeah. I can't guarantee safety for you because I don't know. I'm not in your head. I don't know that's true. things. But I can create, cultivate a trauma-informed reflective space yes. and hope that you can access safety within that space. Oh, I love and, that. And so I yeah. do a lot. I That's a lot of the conversations I have okay. with leaders. It's like you can't assume that you're safe for your staff, um, but how can what can you do and what are the, I guess, tools and strategies and things that so that you can create that approachable, um, reflective space. And a lot of it is around asking and yes. asking people, how can I be more approachable? How can I create? emotional safety okay and i think emotional safety in the workplace isn't talked about enough no um that's a good point but for like really strong healthy workplace um relationships we need emotional safety yeah wow yeah that's so important i guess um we often i guess we're so busy running the business a lot of the time it's probably what you see a lot of leaders are go 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 that yeah. they don't have time to reflect and sit and think about this stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like even in the recruitment industry, I've seen a lot more businesses doing a lot more around mental health and well-being and team building and just doing lots of different activities now, which I'd never saw before. It was always just work, work, hustle, hustle. Yeah. And now I'm seeing that kind of, you know, they're posting online and things around different activities they're doing as a team. It might be like they're running for a charity at City to yeah. Surf or it could be, different things they're doing as a team they've come up with that they want to do collectively yeah. to help themselves and each other um, thrive in the workplace. So, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and so in terms of, and you also do workshops too, don't you, I think? 
Yeah. yeah, so I do workshops around trauma-informed yeah. leadership yep. and trauma-informed self-care, but I'm really, with those workshops, I don't offer them as a standalone because okay. I think the issue with workshops is if you can be, it can be an amazing workshop, and I've gone to some really amazing yeah. workshops, but then you leave and your workplace is the same and you don't have capacity to integrate the That's things true. that you've learned. So, so you do a package kind of thing? I, I like to work with organizations where we do like we integrate what was what like taught in the workshop i love that so yeah. how do we actually bring that like those learnings into your day-to-day -day? okay and for that to happen you need buy-in from leadership yeah you need buy-in from organizations organizational leaders to be like yeah we want we want our workplace to be like this okay and so i work with them to start to build that yeah i love yeah. that yeah i love it uh, that's why i did it yeah i know it's great <laughs> I, it definitely is a gap in the market and definitely needed um and you know yeah. you're getting to it with variety of not-for-profits as well as private businesses aren't you yeah and i've had i'm recently have had some people say would you go into the corporate space because yeah. they work in the corporate space and they're like we need people like you in that space yeah. so it's something I definitely am open to. I I guess for like because I yeah started my business a year ago and that was where my networks were. Yes, um, it made sense to do the so I just, services. Yeah, I just was like, well, that's where I'm being asked to work in that space. Yes, but, um, I know. I I sat next to someone on the plane uh, a few months ago who owns a whole bunch of um, petrol stations. Oh yeah, and he has like across New South Wales and Victoria. And very successful businessman, and he was like, "Oh, I really want to do stuff for my employees. I I, I recognise like how hard the last few years has yeah. been, um, COVID and things, and and so he was really interested in Kindred and really interested That's in good. that. So yes, I I haven't tapped into that." Yeah, but I'm definitely open to it, and I think it, that's the thing. Like, I know I really believe in what Kindred is about and what I'm yes, creating, the you're trying to and make. I really feel that it's beneficial for any industry. It can anyone be. that works with humans. Yeah, human. <laughs> anyone that works with human <laughs> with people. Yeah, no, that's great, and I think um, yeah, only a grow and evolve. The more you do, and the more scope you have, and the more opportunities you get to work with different companies. So, definitely check Amy out. I'll put her details um, below in this. Uh, Shameless plug. I know, but I'm so <laughs> no, proud of you. It. Like Thank it's you. great, and I think more people need to know that these services are around and that they can access people like yourself if they need it um, to come in and re just almost do an evaluation of their workplace and. And even if you think you're doing good, but you want to just make sure like your staff are happy. Like I love that idea that you consult with the staff and ask them privately, like what do they want? Because often your staff will, as a leader will tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Whether they mean to or not, they yeah. often do. And so sometimes you're like, just tell me the truth, what you really think. <laughs> um, but they don't want to upset you or hurt you as a leader. So they don't want to say it publicly, but they want yeah. to share it. But yeah, and so that's yeah. a really safe way to do that. Yeah, and I think especially with teams where they actually have a really great relationship with their with management. Yes. Um, but they they can and that's like some of the conversations in the focus group sessions will be like, Oh, like I really love them, they're the best manager I've ever had. Like I don't want them like yeah. they're and I was like, No, this isn't about you attacking them. It's about how can we make this better as 
oh. a collective. And so, and I put together a report, um, but I send it to the staff first because this, like the recommendation report is meant to be their voice. Yes. Um, like I add in the evidence and the, you know, that trauma-informed lens and yes. what a mental, what your mental, mental health, mentally healthy workplace is. looks like. I put that lens on it, but it's their voice. And so when I put that together, I I want them to approve it before I give it to Oh, management. wow. So That's awesome. Yeah. So It's I a just, very empowering process probably for yeah, the employees yeah. to have someone actually listen to them take it on board, formulate this report that sums up exactly what they're saying in yeah. a constructive, positive way yeah. so that it gets received well from management, right? Yeah, yeah. and then I, um, you know, the option um, is I work with that business over a 12-month period to, in to implement those recommendations. Oh, wow. So it's not just a nice report that sits on the shelf. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah, very important. Yeah. And so in terms of, we did touch on it at the start, but in terms of um, your own well-being and mental health, you and I are both very big on this, about mm -hmm. looking after ourselves. Um, so could you give, um, share, I guess, a little bit about what you do in your week to help build your cup up um, so that you feel strong as a you know, wife, mother and business owner and someone that helps so many people in the sector. Um, tell us a little bit about what your mental health and well-being looks like. So that's been a very big journey <laughs> when I was employed it was I found it a lot easier okay like I found it a lot easier just to I guess like make remove time. myself make time um have a bit more of a rhythm and a routine in that yes um like I said at the start I've the last 12 months have been huge like shifting from like being employed somewhere to owning a business yeah trying to understand what that even means. Like I'm a social worker, I'm not a business owner. But now I am a business owner. I know. <laughs> um, and I think the biggest thing has been around boundaries okay. um, and being okay with saying no to things. Yes. And Which is hard when we're, I yeah. think we're used to saying yes to everything as someone like as well we've both grown up in church and like that. If people need your help, you you see a need, you want to help. And as social workers, I think are the same. And counselling psychs, like you're in the care industry because you want to help people. And so it's easy for people to rely on you a lot, like to say, "Can you help with this? Can you help with that?" And we always feel like well, we have to say pleasing. yes. Yeah. And, and in in the self care workshop um, I did recently with like mental health workers, I actually said, "How many people here feel like they struggle with people pleasing?" And everyone put their hand up and I kind of knew that because I was like, well, I know like people like that are drawn to these industries. Yes. And, you know, I mean, you can unpack a lot of that if yes. you wanted to. Like <laughs> where does that come from? But we're not, this is in a therapy session. <laughs> um, yeah, but I've done a lot of that myself. Yeah. Where, where does that, where does that people pleasing come yeah. from? And I think particularly for women, we are taught from when we're like, yay, hi, um, you know, to be the good girl, to, yeah. you know, do everything for everyone else. Yep. That's when you're, and as mothers, that's, yep. you know, that was kind of put on a pedestal, like a good mum is the one that does everything for her kids and everything yep. for herself and never asks for anything. Yeah. And becoming a mum has really revolutionised for me what kind of mother I want to be yes. and what kind of woman I want to be. And I yeah. don't want to be a people-pleasing woman anymore. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I've been, like, on a journey of actually being okay to have needs. 
yeah and communicate those needs and I even small things like since my son was two weeks old I I went I went, remember I went left the house for the first time by myself um and went for a walk on the beach for 20 minutes wow and I made an effort to do that every day yeah take myself away from that newborn bubble, bubble. um to nurture myself yeah that's so um, and to and you know it doesn't happen every day no but nine like most days if not every other day I do take at least some time out yeah to connect with myself to to be present and things where um and doing that has helped me to be a better mum it's helped me to yes. be a better leader it's yeah. helped me in my yeah in my personal and professional journey so yeah that's so important just, yeah prioritizing that I see that you do runs and then you go yeah. for a swim at the ocean in the middle of winter. Yes. You, I love it. And she posts on Instagram and, and their stories and how she gets in there and does it even in June. I'm like, oh. I did go in yesterday. It was very cold. And the sun had gone on. It was, I'm like, do I really want to do this? Oh, that would have been chilly. Um, but, yeah, it's so good for your soul, right, just to get to nature, recharge your battery, yeah. look after yourself, feed your soul. So like you said, you can be the best wife, mother and business owner. Um, everyone gets impacted. Like I've been finding recently I've got getting more into my early morning exercise, even though I'm not a morning person. But, yeah, getting up at like early and going for that between 6 and 7 a.m., doing that exercise for me yeah. a few days a week has just been so good for me. Like, yeah. And I feel like I show up better at work. I show up better as a mom. I'm less impatient or frustrated at things. I bounce back better from like when setbacks happen or things don't go my way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just gives me an overall um, feeling more energy for everything I do. Yeah. So I think um, looking after that. And then also, do you do any, um, do you have like a counselor or a psychologist or a coach that you debrief with or a mentor? Like, do you find you've built yeah. that into your practice? Too? Yeah. So I've had the same external supervisor my entire social work oh wow that's lucky yeah he knows me very well yeah he would (laughs) um and he so i still do and because he has his own business as well so he's kind of been doing a bit of coaching and support and mentoring with that side of things um but i've also just signed up and i will give her a plug because i think she's amazing um laura higgins has uh she does like business coaching and things for creatives okay and I really struggled and I spoke to another social worker who's got her own business recently. Yeah. The business side in this sector is really hard because you don't want to do the traditional marketing because it kind of goes against our values. Okay. <laughs> and so, but at the same time, I want my business to be successful. Yeah. Um, I really believe in what I'm doing and so I, and I want it to be sustainable. And so I really like Laura. She kind of listen to that and is supporting me and learning that yeah um yeah so and i would even though my business isn't creative i would consider myself i think quite creatively so yes she kind of helps you do that that. yeah 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 i think that's the thing isn't it it's like you can um like having if you are training for a you know marathon or city to surf whatever yeah like you hire a, a pt or someone to help you train to get there and I think if yeah. you want to succeed in business, we're not like just because we've worked in a field doesn't mean we're qualified to 
run the business in that field. Like there's so many skills that we never thought, right? Like, yeah, of course, like with me with recruitment, like I know exactly how to be a good recruiter, but Mm. I didn't know what it would be to do the marketing and branding of my business Mm -hmm. to like manage staff to like, you know, getting in new business development as well as everything else. Like, I guess I never, you know, and so it's been a learning journey for me. And for the Mm -hmm. first five years of my business, I didn't really know about coaching as an option. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't get that help. And I feel like that has slowed me down in what I've wanted to achieve at times. Mm -hmm. And so since in the last five years, getting coaches working alongside me in that journey has definitely helped me go further and last the distance. So I think, like I said, people having a business is not like a sprint, it's a marathon race. So you have to put your tools in place to help you last the distance you know I know some people when they're starting out in their first you're like oh I didn't achieve like you know as much as I hoped I would have by now and it's like okay you've just started like give yourself a little yeah. bit of grace and just you know take a moment and reflect and actually put some clear goals in place that you want to achieve in that first year and are they realistic like mm-hmm. yeah it's all well and good to say I want to be turning over x amount or doing x amount in my business but is that you know, you've got all these different things that come into play that can slow that down. So I think um, being realistic, talking to your clients as well around what um, the clientele that you want to work with, asking them lots of questions around what they look for, what they want um, out of a service like yours or, or my business. I've done the same. And like through COVID, when we weren't getting any business, the first thing I did was like, I went back to my main clients and said, how can I help you through this? What can yeah. we do to support you? And that was where I started saying, they said, can you create a temp pool for us in Melbourne for um, social workers working with homeless people? And, yeah. and we're going to put them in the COVID hotel, in the hotels to get them off the street, but we need someone to support them. Can yeah. you create a, a pool of people for us? So yeah. we created that, like, you yeah. know, within two weeks. Yeah. So it's yeah. about, like, listening to what your clients need and creating what, pivoting to that rather than saying, I think this is what they need. But yes. actually asking them and saying, how can I serve you at this time? And um, I found that being a real um, game changer throughout the low times in my business where we haven't done as well, yeah. actually going to to our key clients and saying, what can we do more for you? Yeah. And that's opened up so many more opportunities that we probably would never have tried if we yeah. hadn't done that. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, uh, to finish off, I would love to know what your favourite quote is that – kind of showcases that grit and grace in leadership and life so I was thinking about this um I'm reading one of Brene Brown's books at the moment yeah to lead so she's a social worker most people know who she is um and she's got a quote that I really that resonated that I listened to or read um this week was you can't get to courage without rumbling with vulnerability oh that's a good one I really I really love, I guess, for me as a business owner and yep. a leader, the best thing I can do is um, sit in that vulnerability yeah. um, and to have courage to show up um, really hard. authentically. Yes. To have those hard conversations. Yes. But to have them with kindness and compassion and curiosity. Yes, love that. Has been like. I guess I feel like it's really helped me to get where I am today um, and something that I really want to continue to yeah. to model, um, you know, throughout professionally and personally. Yeah, I love that. And so I feel like my vulnerability um, is a strength. Yes. And I really, yeah, I really, I used to see it as something 
like oh, it's like a weakness. Yeah, I agree. I used to as well. <laughs> yeah. But but now I'm like, no, actually, this is like one of like my biggest strengths and I'm going to own it and um, I'm going to like be courageous in it. So, yeah. Yeah, and what I found is is when I've gone through times in my life as well when I have had to be vulnerable and actually put myself out there through some serious challenges, mm. it's actually shown me um, – that people do want to support you, whether it's your staff, whether it's your friends and family. Like if you be vulnerable and share where you're at, then they can come alongside you and support you through that season in your life. Like yeah. I feel like um, if we don't share that, if we just keep it all to ourselves, um, if we don't be brave and vulnerable and show strength and courage and sharing, we can't like we can't learn from it and grow and evolve. And I think something for me I've noticed by being vulnerable through the hard times in life has shown me um, like the support and care that I needed from those friends and family at that time. Yeah. So I think it's, and colleagues. So yeah, I actually was really nervous to share with my staff. I know my last um, episode I shared about my journey with pregnancy loss and something I was really nervous about. I said to my coach when I had one of my miscarriages, like, I don't want to tell my staff, like, how do I do that? Like without being a blubbering mess in the office, I want them to see me as this strong leader and I don't want them to see me like this mm. and she was actually like what are you worried about like actually by being vulnerable you can help them and they can help you like it's actually powerful so uh we we did that we actually worked on that together and um actually by sharing and opening up about that <clears throat> meant that they could come alongside me and support me and yes, I'm still their strong leader, but I am human. Yeah. <laughs> and I needed that help and support that I was going to struggle for the next few weeks, like or months. Yeah. I didn't know how long it would be. Like grief and loss yeah. is a funny thing. You don't know how long it's going to take to overcome that. And um, we're, we are human. So it's about yeah. giving ourselves that grace in that time and the power of that vulnerability and strength and them seeing you rise through it was actually amazing for me, the feedback that I got from my team around that. So yeah, definitely it's a challenge, but being having that courage and vulnerability is, in a, you know, you don't have to share everything, but just enough for them to see where you're at and support you. Well, I think it's about embracing our humanness. That's true. And vulnerability, and Brene talks about this, vulnerability isn't about, uh, like, using the people that you're leading as your therapist. No. And like, you know, sharing everything and then they feel like, oh, I have to, like, carry them. Yeah. But it's actually about being honest, like, hey, I, I'm having a really hard day today. Yeah. Um, or if there's, like, a significant thing that's happened, not just brushing it off for, like, oh, we'll be right, like, mm. you know, things are great, everything, like, no, like, yeah, this is really hard and I don't know all the answers um, but I'm here with you. Yes. And we'll we'll navigate this as a team. Yes. And that question you said before around how can I support you? Yeah. That is like number one sentence that every leader should say to okay. their team. How can I support you? How yeah. can I support you to be able to do your job better? Wow. And if a leader asks that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, asking that as a leader, like it opens up. I mean, it's creating, it's starting to build that safety. Yes. Um, with your team. Yes. So, no, I think that's question, so important. How can I support you? How can I support you? That's a great <laughs> one, I think, to take away from today. And yeah, thank you so much, Amy, for coming on board of yeah. my new series. And it's been great to have you on the couch with me today and just yeah. to chat in person and connect and um, hear about your business and your journey and also how 
um, as leaders and businesses, we could get behind our staff a bit more and, you know, build that workplace culture that you're talking about. So yeah. thank you so much. And how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to today? Yep. So I have an Instagram page, kindred.consulting, also a website, kindredconsulting.com.au. Um, or you can email me, amy at kindredconsulting.com.au. Brilliant. And LinkedIn as well. Yeah. All like, the things. Yeah, all the things, all the socials. <laughs> yeah. Nah, that's great. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank I really you. appreciate it. for jumping on and watching our live today we really appreciate it and we would love you to connect with us on socials and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode thank you bye